Hi everyone, it's the Freelancers Show and with us today is Rob Cornelis. Hi everyone. We have our panellist Joel Shalbert. Hi, this is Joel. And I'm Petra Manos and today Rob is our special guest and he is going to be chatting to us about sales, which I think is a really important topic right now, especially with those of us who need to bring on new clients in this challenging environment. Leveling up is important. I spend at least an hour every day learning ways I can improve my business or take a break and listen to a good book. If you're looking to level up, I recommend you start out with the 12-week year as a system to plan out where you want to end up and how to get the results you want. You can get it free by going to audibletrial.com slash code. That's audibletrial.com slash code. So Rob, can you tell us a little bit about well, what makes you special, how you came to be in this field, and just tell us a little bit about your story. I'd be happy to. Thank you, Petra, and thank you, Joel, as well, for having me. Uh, you know, first of all, I would say that the word sales makes many people cringe because it's, it's a word that's often maligned because, frankly, it's deserving oftentimes of, of criticism and ridicule because most people who are in sales have developed or created a stereotype for the rest of us that makes it a very difficult profession to to say proudly, I'm in sales. But for me, I never wanted to be in sales when I was when I was growing up and going through university. It was not one of my career aspirations at all. But I quickly discovered in the first job that I had post-graduation that everybody in one form or another is selling. And when I say that, I mean that everyone is in the business of persuading and influencing and motivating and inspiring and certainly even educating. And all five of those words are synonyms to sales I've, I have discovered in my career. So um, I, had a, I got a job uh, shortly after university. It wasn't a job that I necessarily wanted, but it was, it was something I thought could put some food on the table. And I discovered that it was a sales job. I knew that going in, but I discovered that I actually, I struggled at first, but eventually I came across a methodology, a style, a way of doing it that the people I w- that I was talking to, they re- received me very well. And I wasn't saying anything dishonest or deceptive. And when I discovered that if I do this sales thing in the correct way, it actually leads to a benefit, not only to me, of course, but also to the person that I'm, that I'm interacting with. And they, their lives or their situations can be improved. So I had some success. I eventually started a sales consulting company trying to help other people come to the same realization that I had come to. And that was 25 years ago when I started my business called Game Face. In fact, we're, we're celebrating our 25th anniversary on October 1st of this year. And since then, we have been able to work with hundreds of organizations around the world, tens and tens of thousands of sales executives, those who are traditional salespeople and those who would never want to be called a salesperson. But we're able to help all people understand that no matter what you do, you have to be in the business of persuading and influencing. And so why not get better at it? And that's where Game Face, my company, comes in. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing that. 25 years, that's amazing. And you know, it sounds like you've been leaving a, a legacy, which is fantastic. Now, I, I, I wrote down some notes as you, were, as you were telling that story because the idea of the stereotype of the chunky salesperson, I think that really is rife. But, you know, I read so many books and all of the books that I read about sales all say that the quiet, unassuming salesperson often ends up being the one that's more effective. Can you please give me an, a bit of a description of, I mean, we all, I think a lot of us know what that stereotype, but what does make an effective salesperson in your opinion? And what kinds of system are the effective salespeople using that is completely different from that stereotype? I really appreciate that question, Petra. For me, it it begins with being grounded in certain principles. If you don't have principles as a salesperson, and I'm not talking about values, I'm talking about principles as a difference. A value is perhaps, you know, how you look at the world from perhaps a spiritual lens or a moral lens. 
I'm not, I'm not talking about that, even though that's worth talking about. I'm referencing instead the idea that principles are universal truths and they apply across the board, respect, irrespective of industry or you know, age or geography. And so I have always tried to cement myself in certain principles that are timeless that people just tend to respond well to. And, and, and I've, I've been able to identify what those principles are. And then of course, I try to apply technique or methodology that will, that will bring those principles out in each of my interactions. And, that, and therefore people will respond better to me and they'll want to engage and they won't wanna hang up on me or tell me they're not interested. Then what I think really makes good salespeople stand out is that they do have a system about their work. They're, they're not just trying to charm people you know, with their good humor or their charismatic personality because not all of us have that. But if we have a system, just like anyone in any profession, and that system is proven, it's been tested and then proven, it's been validated. And if we can just stick to the knitting, as we say, stick to those fundamentals of that system without having to be boisterous and obnoxious and over the top, it's not about being gregarious, it's about being sincere. Those are some of the things that I have found through my years, not only being a salesperson, but training salespeople are constantly effective. And they are the common denominator among all the successful salespeople that I've seen. So most sales trainers, most sales books that you talk about, Petra, I like the fact that you said a lot of them suggest that being understated is an asset and, and not a liability. Similarly, or I should say, the opposite of that is being someone who's what I like to call the seven S's, sleazy, slimy, shady, sneaky, self-interested, self-centered, sly. And I could go on with other S's, you know, and uh, one that's often used uh, in, in Europe is cheeky, right? <laughs> so if we can avoid those and understand that that's not sales, that's something else that pretends to be sales, then I think we will, we will embrace this idea, this function of business more enthusiastically. And, uh, and that's, then we're on the path to being successful in it. That's fantastic. I love the idea of the sales system. I've tried to seek out training in this myself. And I found that the, that system part of it was missing from the training and I felt frustrated because I didn't know, I didn't know at what point something moves from a conversation into, I mean, I'm assuming the entire interaction with the prospect is a sales meeting, but there's obviously a process that you go through when it comes to building rapport and being able to persuade. And I didn't personally know the steps. So I sought out some sales training and I just felt that that was missing. But the, the thing that I find difficult with that is when you're having an interaction with another person, you tend to just go from your gut process of how you interact with people and trying to keep track of a system at the same time as you're interacting with someone, that seems quite difficult to me. I guess you'd have to learn the process and just test it out. How long does that take for someone to to learn the system and to be able to reproduce it in a real life conversation. There's so much I want to comment on what you have just suggested, Betra. So thank you for those, those thoughts. First of all, I will tell you the greatest compliment I ever received from one of our clients at GameFace was a woman that I was actually training in Washington, DC for a startup business. And I was working with her entire team for a three-day period. And at the conclusion of our time together, she came up to me as I was literally packing up my things, getting ready to go to the airport. And she said to me, Rob, thank you for teaching us to articulate the intuitive. I loved that statement. It's one of, she doesn't know it, but it's one of the greatest compliments she could have ever given me. You, she said, you taught us how to articulate the intuitive. In other words, like you just suggested, Petra, 
you know what to say. The challenge is how to say it, how to say it so that it doesn't turn off the prospect so that I don't feel self-interested and like I'm just doing it at, for my own personal gain. How can I say things differently so that people don't, don't, aren't reminded of bad salesmanship that they've encountered previous to meeting me? How can I avoid the stereotypes? And there are several words and phrases that salespeople use historically, which as soon as you hear them as a prospect, you know you're talking to a salesperson. But as far as the system, I would ask, how long does it take to learn to play the piano? How long does it take to, to learn to be a very proficient chef in the kitchen or to learn a new language? And of course, the answer is... I didn't well, think that I've learned any of those things. <laughs> so for me, it's a lifetime, <laughs> particularly the cooking part. But <laughs> no, I, I've well, never never touched a piano. And <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, these all sound really challenging to me. <laughs> well, let me give you a simpler one. One that probably everyone listening is experienced in. How long did it take to drive a car, to learn how to drive a car, a vehicle, right? Most everyone knows how to drive a vehicle. Well, at first it's very awkward. It's so unconventional. There's three pedals when I learned to drive a car. There were three pedals and two feet. How is this supposed to work? I thought to myself. And all of these things that I had to consider, the rules of the road, the directions that I was going, the mechanics of my vehicle, the rear view mirrors that I was supposed to be using every seven seconds, the chatter in the passenger seat next to me, and the other drivers and pedestrians out on the, on the streets with me. So many things to consider. At first, it's daunting. But after practicing, first of all, after studying and then practicing, soon it became natural. And so most of your listeners could probably get in their vehicle today back out of their driveway or onto their street or boulevard or freeway or expressway and not even think consciously about the act of driving. And I view sales the same way. We can all achieve that level of comfort. It's not to say it comes easy or quickly, but if you have a desire to be better at it, I think it, it can become natural. And in fact, we can teach you how to articulate what is in fact intuitive. Yeah, I like that example of the driving because certainly, like you're saying, that's something that when you first start, it's a real challenge, but then it does just become second nature. That is something I know how to do. Although I started late, I, I learned to drive when I was 21. So it did take me a little while, but no, I, I love that example. So in, in that case, then if someone is learning the system for sales, do you practice with people and risk egg on your face or do you practice on your own mm. how do you practice the art of sales it's a again i really appreciate your question that's when a coach comes into play if i'm learning let's give another analogy if i am learning to play the game of basketball i need a coach that coach is there to guide me through the fundamentals and then to watch me practice and to offer constructive criticism and guidance and encouragement. And if you ever joined an athletic team, whether it be tennis or, or cricket or rugby or basketball or football or ice hockey or what have you, the chances of you enlisting the help of a coach and then that coach abandoning you once competition began those chances are very remote. And if a, if a coach did abandon you, you would, you would say that that coach is, is not worthy of their profession. So as a sales coach, which I am, I take that same sense of responsibility. So what we do is we work with our clients, both organizations and individuals who want to get better in this, in this fundamental function of business, and we, we coach them up on those fundamentals. Depending on where they're at, we may coach them up on the 3.0 or 4.0 version of selling, depending on their experience level. And then we stay with them. And we serve as a mentor. We serve as a one-on-one as -on -one coach if necessary. 
so that they've always got that person in the background that they can come back to and say, look, I, I had what I thought was a real promising prospect. And I was sure that this outfit, this company, this individual was going to hire me for my services. But I, for some reason, lost them. I don't know what I did wrong. I, I don't know if I said something wrong, if I, if I offended them, if I didn't answer their objection to their satisfaction. So then we as a coach step in just like, just like a counselor or a therapist or the, the other metaphor that I like is a doctor. And we examine the patient and we say, you know what? I think this is where you might have a blind spot or you might have a weakness in this one area. Perhaps your muscle has atrophied in this one area. You think you're really good at building rapport, but you know what? I think you have a weakness in answering objections to people's satisfaction. Or maybe you're really good at closing, but you're not very effective or comfortable in asking for referrals. So that's, that's where we come in. And that's the kind of relationship that any of your listeners should try to find in a sales coach is someone who they can trust, who they know is reliable, and who, who to whom they can be accountable, just like any athlete, athlete is to a coach or any employee is to a boss. Yeah, actually, I think, again, the, um, the suggestion you said before that learning to sell is like learning to drive a car. I was thinking through that example and I would have never learned to drive a car on my own. I would have only ever had someone sitting there next to me. You have to legally, but can you imagine trying to learn a car on your own? You'd pick up the worst habits, wouldn't you? You'd be a terrible driver. You really need to have a driving instructor. Otherwise, you're just not going to be roadworthy. Well, I'd even add you'd be a menace to society. <laughs> I'd say so. He's such a such a uh, unsafe driver, and believe me, there are many salespeople who are menaces to society because they learned the wrong way of selling, or they didn't learn how to sell at all. They just figured that their natural personality and good looks would carry the day. Huh. And but when you're self-employed, good. your mm. primary role is that of salesperson, and a lot of self-employed people, especially freelancers want to avoid that fact because they think of themselves as their technical profession. Mm. But as soon as you put on the self-employed hat, you're actually saying, I'm putting up my hand to do the sales as well as the technical work and the admin and the blah, 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 blah. (laughs) But basically the sales is now your job. And so you need to identify with being a salesperson. You need to have a way of learning how to do it properly Otherwise, you can end up a minister society like you're describing. So at a top level, I know there's not enough time in a podcast to to go through it all, but at a top level, could you give us an idea of the system that a person needs to know, the, the key steps that someone would have to be able to be proficient in in order to be good at sales? Let's start with the first or foundational principle that I like to teach my clients that I work with again, individuals or organizations, because this foundational principle is one that if understood and embraced will immediately separate us from other salespeople or our competition in the marketplace. And that principle, I'll give you its name, and then I'll explain where it came from, if I may. We call it results-centered selling. Now, results-centered selling is defined this way. Don't focus on your product, focus on the results your product brings. Don't focus on the product, focus on the results your product brings. So the opposite of result-centered selling is what I would call product-centric selling. It's all about the product. It's I've got the newest widget, I've got the coolest product, I've got the best color, I've got the best size, I've got the best price. But here is the inevitable and universal problem with focusing on your product, regardless of its quality. When a new prospect is hearing from you and they immediately hear you talking about product, it, the product, is objectionable. Any product you and I sell, whether it's a service, and I should be clear about this, I'm also speaking about services, 
So if it's a service or a product, I, your prospect, can find any objection to it under the sun. I only need a few moments to find it. I can say, well, it's too expensive. I can say it's too big. It's too small. I don't like the color. I don't like where it's manufactured. I don't like its proprietary nature. And the list of objections can go on and on and on and on. I could say, you're, you're a freelancer. You don't have enough support behind you in case you get sick. I need more backup. I need more assurance. So as soon as you start talking about a product, you are opening yourself up to objections. And what salesperson wants that? Right? That's no way to start a conversation. We have to start defending yourself right out of the gate. But what's not objectionable? What's not objectionable are the results your product or service brings. So if you can say with confidence, you know what, by working with me, I will give you more peace of mind at night and you can sleep comfortably knowing that this issue is being, being taken care of. Who can object to that result? Nobody, nobody who's reasonable. Or another result might be, I can actually save you 20% from your current cost with your current vendor. Or I can speed up this project and get it to you in four weeks when everyone else is telling you it's gonna take eight, thereby helping you achieve more results in the following month when you didn't think it'd be available till the following quarter. So if you speak about results, and you can't lie about that, of course, Petra, you have to be honest, but if you can identify what are the results that I unequivocally, without doubt, can deliver my prospects, which will become my customers and clients, and then lead with that in all of your interactions, email, phone call, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, whatever it may be, then you will be someone that they are more apt to want to speak with because everyone is striving daily to find results. So I didn't say they'll buy from you because there's a lot of other factors at play and there's a, there's a whole sales cycle, as we say, that we have to go through, that customer journey we have to take them through. But at least the conversation will be opened up. But the way to close the conversation is to say something right out of the gate that they can object to. So that's the tendency of most traditional salespeople, Petra, is they're so proud of their product or service that they can't wait to talk about it. It's called an elevator pitch, right? Give me your pitch. You got 30 seconds. What are you selling? And the salesperson launches into their pitch. They bring up something that in the prospect's mind can be objectionable. And the prospect is determines, uh, this is not a good fit. I'm not interested. And you've lost that opportunity. So come up with the results. We actually work with our clients to list out dozens of results that they can provide. Maybe it's their competitive advantage. Maybe it's their differentiator. And then you lead with those results and you'll be amazed at how conversation will ensue. A couple of years ago, I put out a survey asking people what topics they wanted us to cover on devchat.tv. And I got two overwhelming responses. One was from the JavaScript community. They wanted a React show. And the other one was from the Ruby community and they wanted an Elixir show. So we started both. The React show though is React Roundup. And every week we bring in people from the React community and we have conversations with them about React, about the community, about open source, about what goes into React, how to build React apps and what's going on and changing in the React community. So if you're looking to keep current on the current React ecosystem and what's going on in React, you definitely need to be checking out React Roundup. You can find it at reactroundup.com. My brain's just ticking over here. I'm thinking as well that with marketing, that the marketing should also be focused on those results because you don't necessarily know which results someone cares about. Whereas if you are marketing the results, then when someone reaches out to you and puts their hand up to be a prospect, they're already giving you a clue as to which results they're interested in because they'll say, oh, I read your article about, you know, blah, 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 whatever it is that you do, whatever result it is that you're talking about. And you immediately know, oh, that's, that's the result they're interested in. Because I'm, I'm thinking about results and let's say there's lots of different things that you can do for somebody. You don't necessarily know whether that's something they're even interested in. You might 
I guess if you're talking about results that it's not like it's going to turn somebody off, but if you're talking about results that they're not interested in, they might just tune out. Well, that's a good point. Here's the thing. When we're making our list, our preliminary list of results that we are confident we can deliver, we do it with two things in mind. One is our own intellect. We have our own smarts and we have a brain that tells us this is most likely an attractive and appealing, desirable result. Second, we focus on our history, providing those results to others. So if you, if you just resort to the successes you're already having with other people, everyone's interested in knowing what others are, are getting to, to success, how they're achieving results in their own life or their own business, for their own family, whatever the, the case may be. So if you can just hearken back to those results, here's a quick little exercise I like to do, Petra, with some folks. And that is, I, I will come up with a, a, a mock prospect. And let's say it's, let's say it's a school teacher of, of a high school. And I, I'm just making this up, of course, right now. But I, ask, I would ask my salesperson, what results, irrespective of your product or service, do you think a school teacher is looking for today, right now? What did they wake up with hoping that they would achieve today or obtain today as a school teacher or as a husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend? But that's their profession. You can, you can paint colors around who they are, their age and their gender and their color and all those things. But just generally speaking, as a school teacher, what are the results do you think they want? And people will say, well, they want to be they want to have good relationships with their students. They want to be highly regarded. They want to be acknowledged. They want to have a safe environment in the classroom. Uh, they want to inspire their students. There, I just gave you five off the top of my head. Then the next question I would ask the salesperson who's compiling this list with me is this. Can your product or service deliver any of those five? Oh, yeah. In one way or another, they, they, my product can, they will tell me. In fact, in one way or another, I can see my product or service delivering all five, maybe in varying degrees, but certainly. And then I would say, well, guess what? You now know how to start that conversation. You now know what to put in your marketing, to your earlier point, Petra. So you don't have to guess. All you have to ask yourself is, if I was this person, what are the results I'd want today in this climate, in this environment, in this economy? And if you answer that question honestly, putting aside your product or service just for the sake of the exercise, and then when you've completed the list, go as far as you can down the list, make as many results as you can on that list, then ask yourself honestly, can my product or service deliver this to this particular individual or party? If the answer is yes, even 90% or 80%, my goodness, you've got a great head start into a sales call. So the way to make that exercise really applicable to everyone who's listening right now, Petra, is they should ask themselves, who are three of my target audiences that I'm trying to get business with every day or every week? So is it a business owner? That would be one. Is it a, is it a, a single mother of three? That might be another. Is it a nonprofit organizer? Someone who runs a nonprofit in town. I'm just picking three out of the air right now. If those are your three target audiences, go through that exercise I just described for each one of them. Then ask yourself that honest, self-assessing question. Can my product or service deliver those results to them? And when the answer is yes to any one or all of them, you're ready to go. Now, you're not completely ready, but now you can move into this conversation more confidently without talking about product so early. I think I struggled with this a bit early on in my freelancer career because my preferred target audience is e-commerce businesses. And in my mind, the results they just want is to sell more product, make more revenue. And from a top level, they do, but there's, there's actually more than that. They also want to work with a supplier that's going to be trustworthy. They, there's, there's things around the edges. And when I first started out, I didn't really know all of that. So from when I was starting out, because I had come out of a career as a software developer, and then I moved into analytics and then later Google ads, 
I didn't know how to say that I could guarantee them results because I was still learning my craft. I was I was new as a freelancer. I didn't have stories of previous clients that were raving fans or anything like that. I didn't have all the you know blogs or anything, any podcasts up that showed that I was proficient. And it felt like I was doing a hard sell all the time, you know, because I'm here saying, oh, I can do such and such. And it did. It felt like I was talking about the product. And looking back at that now, talking about the product was always harder because people didn't necessarily know if that service was going to be relevant or helpful to them. I think though, when, when starting out, I didn't really have the confidence in what those results were actually going to be. So if, if someone is really brand new, how can they also have an idea of what kind of results they would be talking about and give themselves the confidence that they can also get results for somebody? Well, you know, I, in addition to running my company, Gameface Incorporated, I also teach at university. And one of the classes I teach is for entrepreneurs who are starting their own business. It's actually an MBA program at a pretty prominent university in the United States. And what those students have to do before they even launch their business, and this is what I teach them, is you have to validate your business. You, You have a good idea, at least it's a good idea to you and your mom, but you have to go out and validate it. So you have to test it. And part of that testing is to identify with prospects or with your, if if we can call them your guinea pig clients, you have to validate that in fact, your good idea does lead to results. So I would say even before we can make a sales call, we have to validate that our product or service has value and that's another way of saying that it does produce a myriad of results. So if I'm new, and this is harkens back to when I started my own business 25 years ago, I didn't know certainly as, as much of them as I think I know now, because I, I was pretty wet behind the ears, as we say. But one of the things I decided to do was go out and find people who I felt needed the results that I wanted to deliver and I asked them if they would be my, my case studies, if they would be my, my guinea pigs, if you will. And I would charge them very little for it, if any. I just wanted to break even for my time and my effort. But my whole intent was to build a success story or two or three with these initial clients. Because with those success stories, I could validate my concept I could, I could see the results that people were in fact getting from it. And then I could utilize that success story or those success stories to then lead into new sales calls. And so now I didn't have to guess. I didn't have to kind of squirm and think that, well, I'm saying this, but I really don't know if it's true. No, I had found it to be true. So I would say whether it's in, whether it's with your initial clients or customers or perhaps it's in your own life, you know that when you received a similar product or service for you personally, it led to results for you. As soon as you can gather that kind of proof or evidence, I think you can start for, you can begin with making sales calls and you can do it with a straight face without reservation and without guilt. The other thing though that I would say is that it's all right to say or to suggest to a prospect that you have a strong belief or hunch or suspicion that what you're saying can be true for them. In other words, the result you're introducing can be obtained by them, the prospect. But in order to prove out that suspicion, you would like to have a deeper conversation with them. You'd like to even test it with them. And of course, you'll do this with very agreeable rates or terms because they're kind of taking a chance on you. But say, basically, I, want, I have a really strong hunch that this is going to do the following for your business, for your employees, for your office, for your customer interactions, whatever the case may be. And I'd like to prove it with you. 
And, and it starts by me really understanding your business beyond what I think I do today, understanding your people, understanding your market, et cetera, understanding your product, of course. And then let me prove with you that my hunch is correct. And let's have a success story together. And, and so I think that's the approach I would use if I am, as you described, if I'm starting out. I think that's a fair, honest approach. You're not making claims you can't back up. And I think people appreciate that type of authenticity. In my case, I was introduced to prospects. I was, I was lucky in this regard. I was introduced to prospects by referral partner. So I had talked to someone who was, I guess, in my peer group, but wasn't a competitor. And they said, oh, I know someone who needs that service. So at the time, I, I had been a programmer and I started out doing analytics. And so I was able to program up the analytics to provide them with the reporting that they wanted in an automated way. And my very first client, I had been introduced to by someone who did SEO for them. And he said, they really want to know which particular location someone is booking in at because this particular client has 15 different locations and each one is managed differently and they're trying to split their marketing bills like they're splitting a lunch bill and it's not working because they don't know who's getting the most leads they just want to be able to quantify how much value each owner has got from the marketing bill so because I was introduced with a result already you know pre-known it made that call that conversation easier because I was basically introduced with here's Petra who can get this result for you and then we were talking about the result they wanted and then I just had to be able to say yes I can do it and that conversation went so much easier I didn't need to know that that's how I should be talking so like you're saying, once you've got some stories, I'd certainly noticed that when, when I had actual client stories that I could refer back to, everything just went so much better than when I was trying to make things up as I went along. Because certainly I, I think I did have a bad habit of talking about the service more so than the results. I think that's something that I did fall into. So I, I actually wrote on my piece of paper results in big capitals and I put a circle around it because I think that what we've been talking about today is really powerful. And I know we haven't gone into the whole system, but obviously you've picked out something that you think is critically important. And being able to talk about one topic for a period of time, going deeper into that, I think that's good because then now people are going to remember we need to talk about results rather than just here's a laundry list of things. We're, we're focusing on results. That's great. If I could too, Petra, just to just to reiterate what you're saying, you you or your listeners may begin with a result because it's a, as I said earlier, it's based on experience. It's based on a hunch. It's an educated guess. It doesn't mean that once you're in the conversation, that initial result you you laid out there, it doesn't mean that that's the one you're going to end up selling, if you will, but that's the one you're going to, you're going to go, you know, to the ends of the earth with, with this particular prospect, because in the course of the conversation, you may discover there's a stronger result that they need or a deeper one or a more immediate one that, that they're craving for, they're looking for a solution for. So to begin with the result doesn't mean you've locked yourself in. It simply means you're demonstrating to your prospect that you are result-centered, not product-centric, and that you're looking after their interests, not just a way to unload your product and get it off the shelf. So we have to be malleable as, as salespeople. We need to be able to adjust and be flexible. And, and I would add, without going into much detail, that that also means we have to know how to ask the right questions. Because you get in the door by starting with results, but then you actually get to sit down in their living room when you know how to ask the right questions. Is it okay to be direct and ask somebody what kind of results they're hoping for, or is that just too bold? Let me say it this way. 
I don't think it's, it's too bold, but it's how you say it. It goes back to something I said earlier. We know what to say. Sometimes we just don't know the most, the most elegant way to say it so that people will receive us well. So if I started a conversation with you as my prospect with a result that I believe based on what I know about you and your business, I believe that you would be either excited for or at least amenable to. As soon as you give me some indication that you're open to a conversation, which could be something like, huh, <laughs> that's, you might just say, huh. You might say, well, that's interesting. You might say, what do you mean? You might say, okay, I'm listening. So any kind of indication from you that you're not hanging up the phone on me would then be my license to do the following. I would say something like this. Petra, before I get into the details of how I might be able to deliver this kind of result for you or your business, there are a few things about your company I would like to clarify to make sure that, in fact, I'm on the right track, to make sure, in fact, that I understand your business properly. Would that be all right? And what would you likely say, Petra? Yeah, that would be fine. Yeah, exactly. 90% of the time, that's the kind of response. You're just going in for the kill and saying, what results do you want? <laughs> that's just making. Yeah. And, and so if you pick apart what I just said to you, which we won't take the time to do this completely, but I'll just bring up one particular word I used with you just now. I said, I'd like to clarify something about your business. Most salespeople do not use that word. They use the words, I want to ask you some questions. I want to ask Petra questions means I don't know anything about you. I haven't done my homework. I'm starting from scratch. I have a blank piece of paper here. Clarify implies I do know something about you. I do come into this conversation somewhat prepared. I want to make sure I have the right impression of you. I want to make sure that what I've heard about your business out there in the streets is accurate. And, and, and is what you want people to know about you. It has all those inferences. So the word clarify is a small tweak that we make in our approach. And therefore, after saying what I said, I wanna, I'd like to clarify a few things about your business to make sure I understand it properly. Would that be all right? Who doesn't wanna be understood properly? And so you couldn't help yourself but say, well, sure, what can, I, what can I tell you? And boom, I'm into a conversation with you. And the next thing I'm going to start doing is asking you thoughtful questions, which will then lead to identifying what are the hottest of all hot buttons for Petra today and her business. What are those, what are her trouble spots? Where are her pain points? What is she trying to fix in her life or in her business life right now? So that we'll come to that conclusion together. You'll be telling me not what products you like and don't like. You're telling me what results matter most to you. And that is my opening to begin to present my solutions. Yeah, that's amazing. That I mean, obviously, there's a larger system. But when you start getting down into the tweaks like this, it's really exciting to know what you can do actually. And yeah, I'm, I'm keen to learn more about this. So I'm, I'm really pleased that you've been on the, on our call today, because this is something that I'm always trying to learn more about what those tweaks are, but the, the broader system of how it all works is something that's obviously extremely important. You don't get business without sales. So at some point we need to all learn how to do it properly. When I first started taking computer science classes in college, I thought programming was just a joke. In fact, I changed my major over to engineering and started doing computer engineering and chip design. Then I found Ruby and I fell in love. I love Ruby. It was my first real programming language where I dove deep and really learned how to make software that makes a difference for other people. Since then, and the way that we got started with devchat.tv, we started a show called Ruby Rogues. It's currently in the 400s of episodes. We've talked to hundreds of people in the Ruby community about the Ruby community about the Ruby programming language, about Rails, and about what makes good programming. So if you're interested in Ruby Rogues, or you just want to hear a long series of experienced programmers talking about real problems, then go check out rubyrogues.com. Now, if you don't mind, I think we'll segue into picks because we are starting to run out of time. For everyone listening, 
Joel had to leave partway through. He didn't get a chance to ask any questions today. Unfortunately, he was having some technical troubles. So it will just be Rob and I sharing our picks today. But actually, before we move into picks, so that I don't forget, how do we, how do people reach out to you, Rob? Thank you, Petra. Well, our website is Gameface Inc. Gameface Inc. That's I-N-C. Gamefaceinc.com. And, and of course, people can always find me on LinkedIn. And my, my name is Rob Cornelis. That's C-O-R-N as in Nancy, I-L-L-E-S. And I would also say, if I may, Petra, I am launching an online course, a sales course, that's coming out in just a few weeks. And it's specifically designed for individuals who are not part of a large organization, but are individuals perhaps working in their own small business or starting their own business or their own nonprofit. And, uh, and so I would hope that any of your uh, listeners who might be interested in that, they could reach out to us at gamefaceinc.com. In fact, I'm going to give you my email address if that's okay. It's RYC. Those are my initials, RYC at gamefaceinc.com. If they will uh, reach out to me and mention that they're a listener of your podcast, I will give them 10% off that course. And so anyway, they, they, I think they'll find it very beneficial. It's a 12-week course, and they'll have opportunity to work with me. And I'll be sharing with them the same information that I've been giving to uh, name brand organizations for the last 25 years. Yeah, that's fantastic, actually, because when I pick up books on sales, I do find that quite a large number of them are written for organizations or for the salespeople in organizations rather than a salesperson in a small business. And sometimes the terminology or the jargon can be a little bit off-putting when you are in a different situation. We've talked about sales managers and all this, and I haven't got a sales manager, I'm selling for myself. So I think that's good to have the right context. It just reduces a lot of that confusion around the edges. So that's really good to know. Thank you. So have you got some picks for us today, Rob? Yeah, you know, on podcasts, first of all, I really enjoy freelancers. So thank you for what you do and, and your partners. There are, I, I have my own podcast, which is not all, it's not so much sales related. It's more about how we can be better persuaders and influencers, regardless of our position. And that's just called Game Face Execs Podcast. So it's available on, on all the normal places as, as well as YouTube. But two that I really wanted to bring you, the attention of your audience, one is called Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Exponent. And it's about the strategy of, of the tech industry and biz, the business of tech. So I know not all of your listeners are in tech, but I, I suppose many of them are. So that, that's what I think they'll find a lot of value in. And then another one that's uh, not very old, it just came out a few months ago. It's called the Trey Gowdy podcast. And Trey Gowdy, that's uh, the gentleman's name, T-R-E-Y, and Gowdy is G-O-W-D-Y. He's a former congressman in the United States and has become an acquaintance of mine. And his podcast is similar to mine in that it's all about persuasion. And he's... he brings a very apolitical approach to his podcast for those who might be concerned about politics right now. But he really, he really talks about how we can be better persuaders, including how we can be better questioners in order to understand another person's point of view so that we'll be closer to getting them to our point of view. Yeah, it sounds like a good podcast, both of them. I'll have to check those out. Thank you. Now, my... My uh, pick this week, actually, I haven't really got a link per se because it's not linkable, but I've, I've been trying to find ways to, I'm not really much of a multitasker. I've been trying to find ways to do something while walking my dog because he wants to be walked and I want to work. <laughs> I actually really like my work. I've been thinking, is there anything I can do while walking my dog? To be honest, the dog's been getting less attention because I like working. So it occurred to me that I could use accessibility mode on my phone and I could talk out commands while walking my dog. 
and he's not getting all my attention, unfortunately. I'm just staring into my phone. But I've um, I've started, I've put on an accessibility mode and I've found that I can go for a long walk with my dog. I can get all of my emails checked off because these days most emails you get are trash anyway. So I can just archive all of those. The ones that need to be responded to, I can dictate. And then I can even write a blog post while I'm doing it too. So I found that I got all of my emails done. I wrote a blog post. It needed to be edited when I got back. But hey, I was feeling upbeat because I'd just gone for a great walk. I'd got some exercise in, got all these things done. So I'm strongly recommending to people that if they have a dog that really wants to be walked, give it a try. Try using accessibility mode. I, I've actually just invested in a microphone, a lapel microphone, so that my commands will be a bit clearer because on a windy day, it doesn't work that great. But I think this is going to be my new blogging method moving forward to dictate everything while I'm walking the dog, get two things fixed at once. <laughs> All right, well, well, we're pretty much ready to go. Is there anything else that you have to share with us today, Rob? Well, I, once again, thank you for permitting me to participate. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for your great questions. I hope I've lent something that's of interest to your listeners and more importantly, something that's useful to them. If they'd like to learn more, once again, reach out to me at ryc at gamefaceinc.com. I also have a book that's coming out in October. It's called The Sales Game Changer, How to Become the Salesperson People Love. And it's already, it's available on pre-sale on Amazon. It's already hit the bestseller list in, uh, on three different continents. So we're very excited about that. And anything I can do to help your listeners, I hope that we can have some communication with them and I'll do whatever I can to assist. Thanks, Rebel. It's been really great having you today. And I hope everything goes well with the, the launch of the course and the book. Thank you so much, Petra. See you later, everybody. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.